Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by Barnabas Piper, uh, freshly returned from Israel, and no no Ronald J. Martin. So uh, He's, I don't he's know having they, a pastoral week. He's having a, a little pastoral week, man. He's not traveling. He's not at a conference. Usually our boy, we can count on him to be you know, living out of his suitcase someplace glamorous like, uh, I don't know, Van Wert, Ohio, or... Um, I don't know, some little town in yeah, Pennsylvania. The, the suburbs but. of Pittsburgh seems to be a regular stopping place for him. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. When I think of Pittsburgh, I think of Ronnie Martin and Kenta Colby, of course. Of course. But, they uh, go hand in hand, maybe literally. Pipe, I wanna I, I would love to see them hand in hand, literally. Can we get that <laughs> can we get that to happen via via Photoshop? Um, can somebody make a little Kenta Colby, Ronald J. Martin meme yeah. uh, for the program? I think that would um, that would minister to all of us uh, here at the Happy Round it Podcast. It would, and we, would, and we of, would love to share it with, with everyone. We would love to share it. Pipe, speaking of things that minister to me and that I love to share, uh, I just want to talk candidly about uh, Happy Rant Signature Blend Ligaris Roasters Coffee, which I've been enjoying multiple cups of every morning. Um, have, have you gotten your bag of coffee yet, Pipe? No, I was just in correspondence with one Hector Ligaris, and he uh, – he apologized and said he has been taking care of the customers who have been sending in the orders, which I totally understand and am, I'm in full support of. So uh, our listeners yeah. have been already taking full Dude, advantage of this, of this signature roast, and I think that's pretty awesome. It's so awesome. They've been taking advantage of it. They've been enjoying it. They've been like retweeting photos of it, photos of the bags of coffee, photos of like them doing their little hipster pour-overs right. with their, the coffee. Their little, their little meth lab coffee-making thing. Exactly, man. Exactly. And this coffee is phenomenal, Pipe. You're going to love it. Um, so if you haven't done so already, go to happyrantpodcast.com, scroll down to where it says coffee, and get yourself uh, a couple of pounds of the Happy Rant Signature Blend via one Hector Lagaris. And, um, and don't forget that you go to that same link, happyrantpodcast.com. You can get all the mugs, the travel mugs, whatever, through Mission Aware. All that is linked to there as well. So you can drink Happy Rant Signature Roast out of a Happy Rant mug and it creates sort of the full Happy Rant experience, including the bitterness, the darkness, the you know the hotness. It's all in one place. The fruitiness. The fruitiness. Yes. Sorry, I, I, I always forget that one. I don't know. That's maybe I do I don't that know on why purpose. I keep remembering that one. What does that say about <laughs> me? That's uh, that's a little distressing. But pipe, we've really made it, haven't we? Have we sold out? Are we sellouts? Um, I don't. I hope not. I don't think we're sellouts until. Well, let's see. What, I guess that's a good question. What is the threshold for sellout? Mm, I don't feel like we're making enough money on this yet to be sellouts. Yeah, and I, I think when, when we begin to lose the willingness or ability to make fun of things because they're paying us, exactly. um, then we're sellouts. That's problematic. That would be problematic. I don't feel like we're going to let that happen, Pipe. Yeah, I, I hope not. We have to maintain our edge. We do. We do. Um, and we are nothing if not edgy. Well, you uh, you actually just returned from Israel. So um, what was the – I want to ask you – I just want to lob some questions at you about this All right. trip. So I'm going there in a couple of months. Um, what was the nature of this trip? Was this like a celebrity meet and greet? Like were you the show kind of? No, no, no. I mean no. obviously Israel and like Jesus was really the show. Right, but, yes. Uh, that's – yeah, that's a given. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, – there's a group called Israel Collective who uh, – 
I think they're they're funded by a large organization about bringing Christians in Israel together, but their their focus is bringing younger evangelical influencers to Israel just to sort of connect with the reality of the Holy Land. So I assumed going into it that there would be sort of like a uh, – a bait and switch aspect to it where it's like, Hey, we're going to bring you here. We're going to take you on this trip. Uh, and then we're going to turn you all into Zionists or something like that. And yeah. that was completely not the case. So we had, so there was about 25 people, some former professional athletes, some musicians. Really? Yeah. You familiar with the names, uh, Israel Adonage or Ben Utech? Absolutely familiar with both names. Yes. Doesn't Ben Utech has, a, does he have a book out? I don't think he does. He's a he's also a musician. He's a really good singer. Um, Interesting. So Interesting. for for this is this is the one of the oddities of this trip is traveling with a bunch of immensely talented people. So we're yeah. at this chapel, which is built near where near the uh, the stable in the manger where they they think Jesus was born, and uh, and it has these amazing acoustics. You know, it's this domed marble chapel, and and Ben sings Ave Maria a cappella. <laughs> in yep. this chapel and so it's it's just like a rolling Dude, so set he, of experience. he sings ave maria a cappella, which would be fine for a certain kind of like fey hipster guy that you and i could still feel like superior toward but right the fact that this guy like just finished up playing in the nfl just makes it for me like soul crushingly sad yeah he's he's he is six six lantern jawed still lantern in very good him. shape like he has not let himself go and he's, he's super nice yeah. Which, was, which was also true of everybody else on the team. That was Pipe, he's the perfect person. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that like you and I would want to hate, but we couldn't but hate we him can't. because of how like legit nice he was. Yes. Yeah, that's, that is utterly and completely true to the nth degree. What um, do you do when you're in a situation with a person like that? It's only happened like a couple of times in my life. I feel like I could count it on one hand. M- mostly swoon. Yeah. Just, just sort of, and take notes. Be like, oh, yeah. oh, that's that's how I can be a better person, just like him. Yeah. Except this trip was, I was surrounded by people like that because you know, if really? you put twenty five people who are called quote unquote influencers in a room, usually it's sort of a collective pissing. That's match. what I was getting at, though. This was like an influencer trip, right? Man. Yeah. yeah. And so, and and so, some you know, there, there's people ranging from. Uh, there's a band called for King and Country who are who are pretty pretty big in the Christian music scene and I wasn't super familiar with them going into it but they're uh-huh. they're they're uh the the duo who is who is the uh the vocalist for it were along and and so there's there's people who have the potential for significant ego and uh and none of it showed up which was one of the coolest things about it was that there were 25 people who all could have been uh divas and yeah. refrained from being and all got along really well so that was my question though pipe that was my next question was anybody just kind of like a low grade douche about what an influencer they were. You know what I mean? No, I'm almost exactly the opposite, which was so cool because, you know, we, we all, we all met in New York to fly over and we had this, this dinner get together and everybody downplayed their own success. Yeah. Um, and so that means that over the course of the week, there's sort of this like peeling back layers and you're like, you did what, you know, you kind of discover things about people. Um, and, what was the most kind of impressive thing besides playing in the NFL, which to me is is the most impressive thing ever? That always works, right. I mean, for, yeah, for me as a football fan, that was um, you know because Ben Ben and Israel were sitting kind of near each other in that dinner, and when they're introducing themselves, they're like, "We actually, we actually went head to head, literally, 
in Super mm-hmm. Bowl 41 when the Bears played the Colts. So wow. they have photos of it. And so that's those, a conversation that like you and I will never have. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I watched <laughs> it in a friend's living room. Is that the same thing? Um, <laughs> let's see. Impressive things. I think, you know, just people who they work under and around really important people. There was a, there was a girl on the trip who works for one of our nation's political parties. And I won't say which one, because I know it'll slant people's opinions one way or the other, yeah. but just her, her having had a chance to work alongside prominent candidates and um, different different uh, musicians and and just their extreme talent and there's just it was just sort of this collection of really impressive people who didn't take themselves overly seriously, which doesn't mm-hmm. usually happen. So um, oh, I was that's super unique. Yeah, that's super unique. It made for it made for a you know what would have been a cool experience just being there was yeah. an even cooler one because the people. Um, they got out of we all we all kind of got out of our own way i think yeah for sure dude so tell me this man you you know me a little bit and uh i mean more than a little bit we've been doing the show for like two years now mm-hmm. and you know that you know that i'm like uh allegedly low-key but i'm really kind of high strung <laughs> and uh <laughs> a little you, bit you, you know what some of my like hot buttons are um what am i going to enjoy the most about israel and what's going to frustrate me the most about israel uh let's see i I think you will be okay. So a lot of that depends on who is guiding your your group and what their agenda is. I think the more there's an agenda, the more frustrated you'll get. Interesting. Um, because you will. I, I you think know, you're absolutely right about that. Pi. You'll you'll see and observe things. You'll hear things. You'll kind of get a vibe, and, you, and but then there'll be this this slant on things, and you're like, those don't seem to match up. So for yeah. example, I you know we just sort of got this crash course in middle eastern politics and israel's role in it all from what i i i gather is a pretty neutral perspective because mm-hmm. they they really weren't trying to to win us to one side or the other so we heard from israeli military we heard from arab muslims we heard from people on the palestinian side and kind of came away with this really fresh perspective i don't think most tour groups get that so i think yeah. you could be frustrated with the could be pro israel could be just sort of limited perspective on things. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you will be, regardless of who you're with, the mm-hmm. reality of of just the small little footprint of land where Jesus lived his entire life and where the majority of the Bible took place mm-hmm. is mind-bending every single day because mm-hmm. nothing is more than an hour's drive from anywhere else. Interesting. And so it's it's – it's this tiny footprint and everywhere you go, you know, to a guy to point out the window and go, if you look to your left, there's Mount Carmel where these 27 Bible stories took place. Right. And to your right is the Jezreel Valley where these 32 Bible stories took place. And, and it's just everywhere all the time. And so that's, that's a yeah. thing. That, no, that's going to be amazing. Man. That's a thing that, that you, you, you bring back with you and, and it completely changes your ability to appreciate Specifically, the Old Testament, but also the life of Christ and the New Testament—just city names and places and proximity and yeah. all those things. Yeah. yeah, I'm really stoked about that. But, but you're right. To your first point, like I'm already looking at the like daily agenda for the trip and deciding what I can skip. That's that's kind of the first thing I do whenever I get to any conference or any sort of meeting scenario. Yes. I'm like, what's the what's the bare minimum that I have to do here? What can I skip? When can I just hide in my room? You know? Oh, don't, don't. I mean, I, I know that you are, you, you, you enjoy some solitude, but if you're mm-hmm. going to spend time alone, get out and yeah. do it. 
in I mean, there are coffee shops everywhere. There's great cafes and restaurants, yeah. especially if you're in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. Go do it in right. those places because those cities are incredible. They were such yeah. like I I could live in Tel Aviv. It's it's Baby, a your your connection's a little janky, man. You keep cutting out on me today. Really? Yeah. You know, pipe. Speaking of being alone, uh, that reminds me of a, uh, a a little bit of a debate right now uh, in our in our little subset of evangelicalism over uh, what's called the Billy Graham rule. And uh, the Billy Graham rule says that uh, under no circumstances, whether you're in Israel, whether you're not in Israel, um, should you be in a car or an eating situation um, with somebody of the opposite sex who isn't your spouse. And uh, I remember this being a thing. I remember, I, you know, I've sort of heard about it over the years a little bit, but um, it seems like within the last couple of years, this has been like a, a big, um, you know, deal for folks in in sort of our church subculture. So um, I'm curious as to your thoughts about it. This all came about because of Mike Pence and some things that he said about it, um, where he he follows the Billy Graham rule. So um, what's your interaction with this, Ben? Pike? Well, I, you know, so I, I, having worked for Christian organizations for most of my professional career, it's... Um, in in a lot of cases, it's sort of baked into the like the the employee rule book. You know, you don't yeah. um, even if you're traveling on the same business trip with somebody of the opposite gender. You know, you don't get the same rental car. You don't go out to eat together unless it's with yeah. you know clients or whoever you're with. And uh, by yeah, and yeah. large, I think it's a pretty helpful rule. Um, yeah. Like and and so the the pushback against it, I also understand because. I think there are plenty of opportunities for very like healthy working relationships, healthy platonic relationships between people of the opposite gender. Um, and the fact is that people can be devious whether or not they're following this rule. And so it's really, I think to me, it's more of a question yeah. of, of honesty and intent. But I think, I think for people in ministry leadership or people in high places, um, mm-hmm it's often more of an issue of perception than it is an issue of morality. Like, there's nothing inherently yeah, wrong sure. with having a, a work-related lunch with somebody of the opposite gender, but it can look like there's something wrong with it if somebody decides to believe the wrong thing. Right, right. That's true. I think what's funny about it is that when I've seen and heard it talked about, it's almost talked about so much that it has the weird sort of whiplash effect of imbuing every situation with like this crackling sexual undertone, yeah. even if it's no little, such thing exists yes. at all. It's like, the, it's like the, uh, it's like the dating world at a Christian college. Like when we did the live episode a while back with, with the students from your class and we talked about dating at a Christian college, it's like any conversation between people of the opposite gender is, is like a potential mate. And so everything yeah. is, is, is tense. And that's a little bit, yeah, it's, yeah. This this brings that same issue to bear where it's like we've created awkwardness where it need not exist. Dude, yeah, it's, it sort of reminds me of like when uh, all the modesty stuff was like all the rage a few years ago in our churches. And it was like if you if your bra strap showed you were like a real hoe bag or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yes. It's Dude, a, yeah, like literally slut like shaming at church. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and literally now it's like, you know, well – and so uh, was in the lobby talking to, you know, some of the opposite sex that they're not married to. And it's like a huge, like, scandal. I, I just it's kind of a funny thing. Um, and, and like you, I agree that I think in general the rule is helpful. But I also think that, you know, imbuing every situation with this 
assumed crackling sexual undertone is just weird and funny in in the other direction. So what so what what kind of guidelines? I, I don't like rules in this case because I feel like the set of circumstances is so broad. You know, sometimes yeah. you're in a position where you don't have a choice. Sometimes you're in a position where it's the only reasonable way to get something done or you are traveling yeah. or whatever. So what set of yeah. guidelines would you follow uh, mm. as, a, as, a, as somebody who's a – as a believer, as a husband, as all of those things? Yeah. I mean I think going out to dinner like one-on-one with somebody of the opposite sex who isn't my spouse, that just doesn't feel – that doesn't feel like the right move to me. You know what I mean? Whether there's, you know, any tension or or whatever, it just seems like a a good thing to steer clear of. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. The the Bible is really interesting on this pipe and you can, you can speak to this more because, you know, you probably know more about it than I do, but there seems to be this, this interesting tension between give yourself healthy boundaries, but also just like be be sensible, you know, and yeah. be a grown up and have like, like be in control of your impulses. So I think what got so weird about the modesty discussion was this idea that unless we like swaddle every woman in a hideous looking like burlap sack, we're all just going to be lusting all over the place. Right. You know, so it's yeah. up to the woman to like, you know, don't wear any makeup, look horrible, dress in a burlap sack because that'll keep me from sinning. You know what I mean? Whereas I I feel like at some level I need to keep me from sinning and the Holy Spirit needs to help keep me from sinning. You know what I mean? So there are, there are more moving parts here than just, you know, let's sort of legislate ourselves out of any of these situations. That pipe is, you know, these, these rules and guidelines are good, but if I find myself in a situation where I need to be, you know, an adult and, uh, just have integrity. I, I hope I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I do think that there is, while there's wisdom in the rule, I think making it this black and white thing can create, I mean, it can shame somebody. Cause if somebody is yeah. not like they didn't grow up in a context where this was the norm. And so they, they yeah. say, well, why don't we grab lunch to talk about whatever, you know, a fellow yeah. professor for you, a coworker for me, whatever. And you just sort of have to drop the hammer and you're like, no, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. that becomes a right. like it's becomes a morally loaded thing instead right. and and so they then feel guilty for doing something that they shouldn't feel guilty about and so it does create well, sort of this this like and it introduces this shaming. The, yeah it's shaming but it also introduces the idea that whoa like maybe the maybe he is attracted to me you know what i'm saying yeah like, or, or, maybe, or maybe he's weird. maybe he's attracted to everybody and is like borderline insane you know, there's, <laughs> and, and that's, I think that's part of the, the, the weird aspect to this because it, it really ought to be taken on a case by case basis. Like there's a big difference between going to dinner with somebody who is not your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, that, that feels a little awkward. Um, mm-hmm. but for you to meet for lunch with a fellow faculty member, like in the dining hall at the college, that that wouldn't right. feel as weird, especially, especially if you had open communication with your wife about it. And you said, you know, and so she, she knew about it. There was no questions. It's just, and not, with like 400 other people around, right. you know, it's not like, we're, yeah, there's, you're there's not sneaking like flickering in a corner, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And the booze is not flowing freely at the South, at the Southern Baptist college campus. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. These are just things you look at and you're like, there's, it's pretty, it seems fairly obvious to me which instances are a poor idea and which ones are not. And yeah. if we're tuned into our own, our own propensity for temptations yeah. or our own attraction to another person, that also should play right. a factor because people, but here's the thing, like we all have phones. I mean, I saw, I saw a conversation going on online the other day about texting people of the opposite gender who you work with yeah. and somebody was like yeah. you should never do that and i was like never is a really that's a lot of times that you shouldn't yeah. do it that that's a really efficient way to get things done and so yeah. <clears throat> it just i don't know be smart i just think it's funny like our our little subset of christendom our theological camp i think one of their greatest strengths is they like certainty and i'm all for doctrinal certainty but i think they've tried to take that hunger for certainty and sort of lay it over every other aspect of life in a way that doesn't always work and in fact comes off as really obnoxious at times and i think you know it's one of those cases of our greatest strength kind of also being our greatest weakness yeah well uh, yeah and and the the same is true for the uh, the camp that would be in opposition to ours with sort of the the complete open-handedness where sometimes sometimes there are some very obvious things you should just say no to that they say maybe yeah. to. And, yeah. and I think it's, but I agree. I think it, it's, uh, we, we have tried to create a five points of everything, you know, five rules, <laughs> five points, systems, systems for everything. Dude, and, it's so true. And it's, it's uh, so true. and it's just goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pipe one thing that I don't have a system for, and I don't think you do either. Uh, but that we both thought about a great deal is, uh, the NBA, MVP race. Yes. And because Ron is otherwise indisposed, uh, this is a conversation that we can have on the air because he would not be down with this. Yeah, he would be opening uh-huh. mail or eating granola bars or something. And dude, I have to tell you, man, I took my son, my youngest son, Maxim, had never been to an NBA game before. Ooh. And we went last night. Uh, we went to our first NBA game. And dude, we had the best time. Was it a it Grizzlies game? It was Grizzlies Pacers. Nice. Uh, the Grizzlies won by like 30 points. Mike Conley went berserk. He had uh, hit a bunch of threes and had close to 40 points, I think, in a game. And uh, it was just a blast, man. We had so much fun together. And uh, it reminded me of why I love the NBA, why I love going to the arenas and seeing the games live, and uh, why this is such an interesting MVP race this year because it really could go uh, a lot of different directions. So I want you to, um, if you can, uh, there's going to be two questions in this in this bit in this segment. Um, I want you to argue for your guy. So give me the guy that you think uh, should be the MVP and why. Um, and then the second part of the question is, um, and this this was motivated by a, a quiz, a personality quiz I took at theRinger.com. Um, which NBA player best sort of mirrors your own persona? Um, like whose whose NBA persona is closer to the Barnabas? Closest to the Barnabas Piper persona. Man, that's a good question. All right, well, well, well let me think on that one. Okay, so yep. so for the for the MVP discussion, I feel like there's there's a pre there's like a precursor that has to be said, and that is picking picking LeBron James to be the MVP is like picking the Bible as your favorite book. It's that's al- right. It's always the right answer. That's right. And nobody wants to hear it, so now we have to choose from everybody else. So, That's so true, LeBron James is the MVP every year until he decides to retire or, you know, he finally stops winning the battle against age. 
So yeah. that's I think that's just that has to be gotten out of the way first because if you traded LeBron James for any other player on any other team, that team becomes the championship favorite almost almost immediate or, or a champion favorite almost yeah. immediately. Yeah. So yeah. And, also true for every other MVP candidate. You trade him for mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. All those teams get better. Um, yeah. So he's not my MVP choice, even mm-hmm. though he's the MVP. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. And that needs to be said in a LeBron James environment, just like it had to be said in a Jordan environment. Right. I remember people getting sick of Jordan in the same ways. You know, yeah, back like Charles the- Barkley won one year. Carl, no, Carl Malone. Yeah, Carl Malone won one year. They, neither of those guys were MVPs. Jordan was MVP, but people were bored with him. Same with LeBron totally. James. Totally. Um, so I think I think the 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 other three guys who uh, who have a shot are Kawhi Leonard, uh, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Those mm-hmm. any any other candidates you would throw in the mix? No, that's that's on my short list as okay. well. That's who I've got. Um, so Russell Westbrook is. He's not going to catch him, but he is chasing. Uh, I don't think he's going to catch him. Chasing Oscar Peterson's record for most triple doubles in a season, and he's still averaging one. And it looks like he's going to continue to average one. And he's just—he's having the best individual season of any player in the NBA, I think. Um, yeah. Kawhi Leonard is the best defender in the NBA and has now turned into a go-to scorer. What is he like? Twenty-six points a game. Yeah. Not not quite as much of an offensive force as the other guys, but his defense mm-hmm. is insane. Like I watched, yeah. I watched the Spurs Timberwolves game a couple weeks ago, and he just he just decided that he was going to make Andrew Wiggins cry. I think that was his goal <laughs> in the game, and and he very nearly succeeded. It was it was pretty amazing. And then and then Harden, who has finally been paired with a coach who recognized sort of his offensive savant nature mm-hmm. and put the ball in his hands, and he is. I think he's leading the league in assists and averaging close to 30 points a game, and then he throws in eight rebounds just for fun um, on a team that I think they're leading the league in scoring. So my choice would be James Harden. Interesting. That would be be my choice for a couple reasons. Uh, One... If you want to get nerdy about stats, all the he's breaking records in all of the advanced offensive metrics, um, and he's he is the he's the thing that makes the second best team or second or third best team in the West, which is also like the second or third best team in the NBA record wise. Uh, the, mm-hmm. He's what's making them tick. Um, he uh-huh. is he's playing in Mike D'Antoni's system, which is the same one that Steve Nash won two MVPs in, except he's better than mm-hmm. Steve Nash. Because mm-hmm. he can score 30 points a game and average the same number of assists. And uh, <clears throat> so I think the combination of winning and being the hinge on which that team turns is, is right. why I would pick him. I think, I think Westbrook, is, his team's just not good enough. I think he's the most yeah. sort of spectacular player this year, but I don't think that's the same he's as the MVP. most MVP-ish. You know, again, taking LeBron out of the conversation. Like, there's something about... Russell Westbrook's persona that I just really like. He, he's he's kind of like everything that's great and ridiculous about the NBA yeah, is, he's, is and he's a of, savage too. Like his goal every game is to I just destroy people. I love that man. There's a, there's a little Allen Iverson in him. You know what I mean? Um, when it comes to the savageness and uh, and I dig that. But for me, my guy is Kawhi Leonard. Um, I have a fascination with the Spurs. Uh, I just enjoy watching the Spurs play. And I also have a fascination with guys who who add layers and add significant layers mm-hmm. to their games after they enter the league. Guys who aren't finished products. 
And uh, Kawhi Leonard to me is this guy. Um, like you said, great, great defender, lockdown defender, um, but has like somehow magically developed like an offensive game that's you know legit and dangerous. And uh, to me, that just makes him fascinating to watch. I just really enjoy watching him play. Um, is he an MVP? Will he get the MVP? I think no. Um, but he's my guy. He's my choice. I'm uh, I'm I'm all in on Kawhi Leonard this year. I, and I think I would pick him over Westbrook as well. Um, yeah. Which is the Westbrook fans right now are just screaming at their earbuds because they're going to scream triple doubles and scoring, and yeah. then they're not yeah. wrong. Like here's the thing: Dude, we both love we both like Westbrook. Yeah, if, to be clear, we both like him. This is this is the most fun MVP discussion I can remember because. <clears throat> Because I feel like there are four right choices. Yeah, you know? that's right. Like if LeBron was given it, I don't think LeBron should get it because I think, I think his performance this year doesn't quite stack up to the other guys. Although it's yeah, because he's been resting more and things like that. Dude, that was my question. Where does rest enter into this conversation for you? Um. Also, is this an issue for you at all? Like, like when they uh, sit guys uh, on primetime games and stuff like that? When they sit guys on primetime games. This is a huge argument, and I don't think we've talked about this on the air. I'm pretty sure we haven't. See, I, I think it's um, I think it's I think it's problematic for the league because they mm-hmm. have competing they have competing goals. You have coaches yeah. who want to win and the league who wants to entertain. And yeah. and sometimes those are at odds with each other because in order to win over the course of eighty two games and then another twenty to thirty in the playoffs, you <clears throat> you need to sit guys. But that yeah. steals from the entertainment, especially when they do it on you know Friday night games, Thursday night games, these primetime TNT, ESPN games. So mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be nice if Greg Popovich would rest his players like on your average, you know, like on a Tuesday night game against I don't know the Timberwolves. Uh, which would be a bummer for me because I watch those games, but right. um, but that doesn't—that's not how the schedule breaks because he wants to rest them on the second night of back-to-backs or whatever. So I, it doesn't mm-hmm. bother me that the coaches do it, but I do think it's a problem. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, I, I you know, bouncing the NBA kind of as a concept off the NFL. You know, the NFL is sort of uh, it, it, losing fans is probably too much of a stretch, but people are frustrated with the NFL because of the amount of control that Goodell exerts over the product. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything down to, uh, you know, just being arbitrary about meeting out, you know. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the things we love about the NBA is that there's not this iron fisted control over the product, over the video clips, over how people interact or whatever. So, um, you know, everybody's kind of wringing hands over this rest issue and going, you know, should coaches be allowed to rest their players and this and that? And I think the the only way to kind of organically let this play out is to let each individual coach and player and team do what they think is is best to accomplish their purpose, you know? Um, and for some players, accomplishing the purpose is going to be, you know, I want to be on the floor every night. I want to get my numbers. Um, but for other teams, especially, you know, Popovich has been doing this for a long time. You know, there's, a, there, there's kind of a science to... Uh, the way he rests guys and and just the culture on that team though has always been more about the team than about any individual. And I, I think uh, that's one of the things that makes the NBA most fun because you look at somebody like Westbrook, who if if let off the leash would play all forty eight minutes of every game, mm-hmm. frothing at the mouth. And, oh yeah, and he has a coach who who only marginally stops him. And then yeah. you've got Popovich, who is who's the puppet master of his system, and so. 
10 times a year, he's going to sit his starters or he's going to sit some of his starters and he's going to play yeah. guys straight out of the D league because, because he's Popovich and it's just what he does. It's like Belichick getting, yeah. you know, the white fullback to score eight touchdowns a year or something. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. but that's fun. Like it's fun it to have fun. that, that crazy individual performance versus this like magical team system and kind of everything in between. I feel like the, you know, the Rockets are kind of an in-between team where they have a system but it's yeah. driven by a key star player, and that's sort of this, again, super entertaining merger between the two, the two sides of things. Dude, I agree that it's fun. It was totally fun for me the other night. I forget when it was. It was a few weeks ago when uh, the Warriors and the Spurs played in prime time, and you flip on the game, and it's like you know two sets of D-League guys going at each other. I, I, I just thought that was really interesting. You know, It was a unique <laughs> You, you, you were one of like four people in America who liked that, and Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich were two of them. Yeah, exactly, man, exactly. Um, I just like that it's a league where you can do that and, um, and where coaches have, I guess, the autonomy to do that. But speaking of, of individuals in the NBA pipe, um, which NBA player best um, oh, right. kind of embodies your persona? Have you, have you any insights oh, on this since we've been chatting I, about I it? Wish, I wish I had taken the quiz. Um, yeah, let's you got to take the quiz. Yeah, it's, it's got to be somebody who is, who's competitive but also – kind of more a little bit more laid back like not the like I'm not a Russell Westbrook or a Draymond Green like those guys would mm-hmm. kill somebody um I'm not like that neither See, I'm a Draymond Green when I compete but not thankfully in real life yeah know? and I think uh so is it are we are we we're, we're talking just personality as a competitor is that is that the gist of this I think personality overall man. overall okay overall. um hmm <laughs> it's a tough question. Yeah, not Dwight Howard because he's the worst. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- you know, somebody like uh, you get Carl Anthony Towns on the Wolves, and I realize I go back to them repeatedly, but he's somebody yeah. who loves to have fun. Like he's always cracking uh-huh. jokes with people off the court. Yeah, but he's a monster on the court, and he's got a little bit of that dog in him where he, you know, he's always screaming and yelling in people's faces and stuff. And mm-hmm. and so I think I think that combination of like lighthearted fun, but also uh, pretty nasty competitor is uh, yeah. so it would would be a good fit. I'm trying to think of who else who else might come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think I think that he's about the only one because most of the really fiercely competitive guys either don't have a personality like Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, uh, mm-hmm. or or they're kind of jerks. Yeah, that's true, man. That's true. Where did you land? Gosh, I don't know, man. I'm afraid for me it would be. I'm afraid that I'm a little too much Draymond Green, or like even worse, <laughs> like Zaza Pachulia. You know, like short armed. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be Dirk, but I'm not. I got. I don't know that I'm quite that chill and cool. Dude, it would be great to be Dirk. So now, full disclosure: when I took the NBA quiz on the Ringer, I got uh, I got a character called the Fire God, Russell Westbrook. Ooh. So, well, you want me to yeah, read that so, description? So you, yes, you might be a little bit biased towards towards Russell now. I am, man. I'm biased toward Russ because I feel like we're basically the same guy. But let me uh, let me read you this description. Um, congratulations, your NBA player archetype is Fire God. Imagine you took a cult hero and pumped him so full of skill and fight that he nearly burst. That's this. That's you. You are a bear. You are at once excessively lovable and markedly terrifying. 
No one is ever sure what to do with you or your massive talents. You are Russell Westbrook. So I don't know, man. Maybe I just go with that. Maybe I go with Russell Westbrook. Maybe I'm going to have my own clothing line. You know what? I've already got my own coffee line. That's right. Yeah, but in the same way that. Would your clothing line look like anything Russell Westbrook wears? There may be a little overlap. You know, there may be some overlap. I. Russell goes to like Fashion Week in New York City. Maybe you and I would go to like Coffee Week, you know, if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, if I was going to go to Fashion Week, you'd be there debuting our coffee line. Yeah, Fashion Week for me would have to be like uh, Omaha or something like that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would get to the New York Fashion Week. Exactly, dude. One time for one last quick question: What NBA player do you think uh, best personifies Ron Martin? Who do you think Ron Martin uh, would would most relate to in the NBA? Hmm. Man, that's a that's a good Carmelo Anthony. Oh, interesting. Why Carmelo Anthony? I have insights. I have thoughts, but uh, but I want to hear them from you first. Why Melo? Well, on the one hand, you have a highly skilled person, so you've got yeah. you know always always very highly productive. Yeah, um, highly productive. Good real, at the thing. Real yeah. low key demeanor. Mm-hmm. But but a, but a little more nasty than than it comes to light at first. Yep. And also uh, always working the angles. Always working the angles. Kind of has to be the show. Yeah. You know. Well, because yeah. Melo's – I mean, he's had a chance to, to leave the Knicks and go to some teams that could potentially be better. Mm-hmm. But New York is where his business interests lie. Right. And, and where his successful wife uh, is, is happy in – uh, whatever entertainment industry she's in, and so and so, I think I think Carmelo is uh, sums up Ronnie well. Plus, he's he's a veteran. He's not an inexperienced veteran, young guy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't know. That's Carmelo. I think would rather be the show on a bad Knicks team than be a cog in like Cleveland or, or Golden State that, or something. That's other the part that doesn't quite match up with Ronnie because he plays well with others. He does, man. He does well with us. He does well with us. What sure. what what are your thoughts? Uh Man, see, I don't know. I was, I was, gosh, Mello is just too good. You know, Mello's too, that's too good. That's too spot on. Um, I was going to, I was going to maybe go in a more Kobe Bryant direction, you know, even mm-hmm. though he's not currently in the league. Um, that's a in little, terms of that's how, a little assassin That's a little assassin but Kobe was very image conscious. You know, Kobe was always you know, very aware of his image, very aware of like wanting to be the next Jordan, also working the angles, um, also very good at what he did, you know, incredibly skilled. So, you know, maybe it's two sides of the same coin. I think, I think Mello is a more, you know, likable version of what we're talking about. So, uh, so let, let's go yeah. with, let's go with Mello. All right. I no, think that well, makes sense. I could, could I pick a different player for myself? Cause thinking yeah, about it, Carmelo Anthony Towns, like, or Carmelo, Carmelo, I'm just, I'm combining names. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is he's a little too he's a little too young. Like I don't think we quite yeah. know what he is yet. He's a young pup, man. Yeah. He's a young pup. He's I'm, got a lot of growing to do. I'm gonna go with Rashid Wallace. Oh because now, here's, here's, like that. here's the thing about Rashid. He was he was known for two things. One was getting technical fouls and pissing people off every yeah. day of the week. Yeah. I think I think I fit that bill to a degree. I think you do, man. You you piss someone off almost every day. Yeah, it's it's a gift. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side, he was known for being one of the best teammates. People yeah, who right. played with him loved him, that's and right. I would like to think that I reflect something of that as well. 
So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Rasheed Wallace. Maybe maybe Carl Anthony Towns can develop into that kind of a person as well. But I think that's yeah. a better choice for me. Dude, if we're going retro, if we're going into the Wayback Machine, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to I'm going to change mine to to AI Allen Iverson. Um, Allen yeah, Iverson I, had the yes, he had the dog inside of him. Um, he did what he wanted. Sometimes he didn't listen. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. always like the easiest guy to coach. But uh, but you knew that night in and night out, he was going to bring it. And he, and, uh, and he had that he had that attitude of like he was always going to compete, but he also had the attitude of just doesn't give a flying whatever about exactly. about like convention. I think yeah, always, I think, had, always had his own personal style, always had his own aesthetic. Again, it never you know there there were times when it didn't mesh with you know the rest of the league or management or whatever. But uh, but I just always loved watching Allen mm-hmm. Iverson, and uh, I mean he was a guy that. Uh, was was just continually fascinating regardless of where he was in his career. So, um, Pipe, I, I wonder what NBA player our coffee would be. Um, if, you had to, if you had to assign an NBA persona to Ligaris Roaster's uh, Happy Rant Blend coffee. And this is how we're going to leave the show. Yeah, we're let's go see here. Um, I think that's it. That's a good uh, – let's go with Hakeem Olajuwon. Ooh. It's, it's international. Dude, it's dark. It's international. It's bold. It's it's um, it's bold both personality wise as well as it's a complete player because Hakeem was yes. he you know he had the dream shake but then he averaged like five blocks a game one year. He's one of the only okay. guys in history who has whatever some threshold thousands of blocks and thousands of of steals. Um, That's right. And he's a two time champion. Uh, also I, very smooth. Like dream never looked like he was trying yeah. that hard. You know yeah. what I mean? There yeah, was there's smoothness. N- never a herky jerky. Never like a ooh, that was yep. ugly, but it worked. Like no ugly, always worked. Yeah, no ugly, always works. Smooth, bold. Um, the total package, yes. the total coffee package, is Lagaris Roasters Happy Rant Blend. Go to happyrantpodcast.com and buy a bag today. Don't be left behind, like the bad '90s dispensational novels. Um, don't be the last person on earth without a bag of uh, of Happy Rant Blend. Uh, coffee and pipe we've done what we've always done on this program uh even though ron is not here we have still managed to wander uh to and fro and until next time rachel the held evans the happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.